Hello, Celia Jessen here with our Milkman episode. But first it's time for the theme tune written by our neighbour's son Oliver on his tablet. Oh, listen to our book club and you can judge its worth. We taped it in the library and it's called Wife on Earth. Celia, have you seen my hoe? Oh, Fred, for heaven's sake, I'm trying to do my theme tune. It's there behind your rake. A theme tune, eh? Well, can I join in? Of course you can, old thing. We'd have to hurry up. It's time for us to sing. Oh, listen to our book club and you, you can, can judge its worth. We, we taped, taped it in, in the, the library, library and it's, it's called, called Wife on Earth. Earth. It's called Wife on Earth. Shh. Hello, my name is Celia, and you're listening to my podcast, Wife on Earth. I know it sounds silly, a woman like me doing a podcast. After all, I'm only an ordinary housewife and mother. But what happened was this. You see, for ages I've wanted to join a book group, but there isn't one in Milton. The last one disbanded in 1987, rather acrimoniously, after an argument about Milan Kundera, and nobody's ever had the nerve to start another one. I tried to start one myself once. The only person who volunteered was Joan Clack, and she only reads the back of flower packets for recipes. Then last week, Mrs Coyle elbowed her way over to me in the butcher's queue and said, you should do one of those podcasts, Celia. I said, what's a podcast? And she explained that it's like the radio, only nine times the length, completely unedited, and it sounds like it's been recorded in somebody's bathroom. I said, gosh, Mrs Coyle, what makes you think I should do one of those? And she said, well, you're always full of advice and opinions. You're not exactly a stranger to the whirlwind world of the media, are you, dear? Which is true. Between 1993 and 1998, I had a column in the Milton Clarion, Nature's Ways, in which I talked about conifers. And in 2007, I appeared on Woman's Hour to discuss the controversial topic of glue ear, of which there was then something of an epidemic in the southwest. I don't know if you remember. Anyway, all the way back home on the number 18, I kept thinking, podcast, book group, podcast, book group, podcast, book group. And then I thought, why don't I do a podcast that's also a book group? I was so excited, I leapt off the bus and ran straight to the back garden where my husband Fred was sanding down the trellis. I told him all about it and he said it was a capital idea and before I knew what was happening, he'd driven down to the PC world on the industrial estate and bought a laptop and a microphone and here we are. I'm recording this in Milton Library, which is the only really quiet place in town. There are quite a large number of tramps, but luckily they congregate near the thrillers, so we should be safe here in non-fiction. In today's episode, I'll be reviewing a book in a straightforward manner, and my husband Fred will be having his say too. Then we'll be meeting on the first floor a male librarian hard at work, and hearing from local actor Gerard Jeremy, who'll be taking a sideways glance at the library DVDs. Gosh, it does sound exciting. (laughs) Anyway, uh, as with all podcasts, however, before we get to any of that, we need a word from our sponsors. Our show is brought to you by Sheer Luck Combs, Milton's premier hair salon. Whether it's a perm, a tint, a full head gloss, or just a trim, you'll find us a cut above the rest, and you'll get a warm welcome from Laura, Mel, and Natalie, a cup of coffee, and probably some choice anecdotes about the sexual proclivities of Natalie's husband, Simon. Sheer Luck Combs. Mention this show for a 10% discount and a free gypsy cream biscuit. I'd better start the review. Milkman is a novel by Anna Burns. It won the Booker Prize, apparently. Gosh, that's impressive. Apparently, she was once nominated for the Orange Prize, too. Though my husband Fred says that one is silly, because only women can be nominated. And it would be like if the Best Supporting Actor Oscar was only open to people with five vowels in their name and then Chiwetel Ijiofor would win every time. Oh, Fred. Anyway, 
Milkman is a darkly hilarious tale of violence and betrayal set in Belfast in the time of the Troubles. Crikey. I'm afraid I'm not an expert about this sort of thing. The only trouble I know about is what I get into when I put too much starch in Fred's cuffs. I'm sorry I'm being ridiculous, but... You see, I'm not myself, and I don't know when I will be again. It's this book, it being called Milkman, it seems like a sign, like some kind of strange portent. It all started this morning, when our milkman, Barry Flanagan, didn't turn up. Oh, well, Fred, it's all very well, but Bobby and Katie are waiting for their porridge. And you did insist your sister took off with our dried milk supplies for their camper van holiday in Hythe at the weekend. Oh, I'd wish you'd ask me first, Fred. Really is a frightful bother. There's nothing for it. I'll have to go into town. Give them both toast. We'll have rice pudding tonight as a treat. Now, don't object. I've made up my mind. You really mustn't fuss. It's most undignified. I shan't hear another word about it. I'm going to buy some milk and it won't take me long. I'll take the train. The train. The train. I found an empty compartment. I took off my shoes, undid my scarf and checked my hair. We went through a tunnel, so I pulled a face at my reflection in the window and made myself laugh. Then I tied my scarf on top like a washerwoman and wrote backwards on the glass in the dust, clean and done here. Then I decided to have a sort through my handbag. I took everything out and lined it all up, cleaned the bottom of the hanky and put it all back in again. Then I wrote a list of things I should like to have in my handbag for future journeys. One travel-sized sewing kit. A fidget spinner. My library book, which I keep leaving on the dresser. Mini mastermind. A magnifying glass. A yo-yo. Pop it. Pocket calendar. I spy of trains. A colouring book for dreamers and three pens. And a mint. Feeling very pleased with myself for having such fun on an everyday train journey, I looked up and noticed we were at a station I'd never seen before. Somehow the name was familiar, but I was perfectly certain I'd never been this far past Massingham in my life. I felt utterly ridiculous. I'd missed my stop, and now there was nothing for it but to try and buy milk here at... Little Ringworld. I hopped out onto the platform and searched frantically for a street map. The station cafe was hopeless and I was beginning to despair. How on earth was I going to find a corner shop in this utterly new town? There was nothing else for it but to head into the centre and look for a shop on a corner. People gave me strange looks, which I thought was perfectly silly of them. Surely Little Ringworld had had visitors before. It really was silly of them to stare so. So I began to walk faster, not daring to look anywhere but straight ahead. The heel of my shoe was beginning to loosen, making me walk with a rather silly wiggle, and the more naturally I tried to behave, the more ridiculous I felt. Then I turned into the next street, and there in front of me was the next best thing to a corner shop. It was the dairy little Ringworld. I had seen that name before, of course. Every morning on the side of Danny Flanagan's milk float... With a gasp of joy, I trotted merrily toward the open gate, at which point my broken heel got stuck in the grill of a drain. I tried to kick off my shoes, as I'd done so gaily less than an hour ago on the train, but the angle was as such I was in danger of dislocating my knee. My handbag fell to the ground, and everything spilled out, cascading into the gutter. My handkerchief, spare gloves, my extra girdle and drawers, and that's when it happened. Can I help you, dearie? Danny Flanagan. You need a bigger bag than that, love. All the boys need their overall to doing today. As I gazed boss-eyed at my reflection in his spectacles, it all became frightfully horribly clear. I still had that headscarf tied in a gargantuan bow on top of my head and rosy cheeks drawn on with lipstick. He thought I was a washerwoman. I felt myself blushing. I'm from Thicket on the World, I said. 
You didn't deliver our milk this morning. Or did someone steal it? Dunno. I didn't notice at the time, but he put his hand on my arm. Funny I should remember it now. Can you gather my smalls, Mr. Flanagan, and help me out of the drain? Yes, of course. He gathered my effects and gently replaced my bag on my arm. I removed my headscarf and he glanced at my decidedly fluffed up hair. You look like a dolly in a weather house. He said. On one leg. He began to twist me gently around to release my heel from the grill. Anyway, As I spun slowly, didn't he you hear about the farmer's strike? Farmer strike? You had an extra pint of extra milk, milk delivered yesterday to tide, to tide through. you through. Hadn't I noticed? noticed? And as we pivoted precariously around, I heard distant music from the milk board's office. The music seemed to grow louder and louder, and soon we were whirling faster and faster, laughing and shouting. You suddenly look much younger, like a little boy. Come to the pictures. I couldn't, really. Do you know, we do yoghurt now. Really? I don't understand. Well, it's really very simple. The milk board produces many dairy products. Is yoghurt a dairy product? Why, yes. Oh, and potatoes, too? If you like. I take my milk in tea. So do I. Is tea bad for one? Yes. Yes, but tea for two is dandy. With a final pirouette, my shoe shot off the heel, and I was thrown into Danny's arms. And then his colleague appeared around the corner in a familiar vehicle. I thought to myself, oh, do shut up, do shut up. I wish you'd go away. Your bell is clanging and I feel dizzy. There's your float. Can I take you back to Thicket on the Wold? I couldn't possibly. It would take days. I understand. It's been so very nice. Goodbye. Goodbye. And I turned and walked away. I imagined myself arriving home putting my key in the door and telling Fred all about it. How I had missed my stop after dithering around like a tiller girl, and how I had wiggled through a strange town and been mistaken for a lower class by the lower class. Then suddenly I knew that I wouldn't. The first awful realisation that I should have to keep my secret. And I had no milk to explain my absence. I'd have to pretend to have forgotten about the farmer's strike and to find the extra milk in the kitchen... When I got back an hour or two ago, Fred met me in the hall. What is it, Fred? We're cancelling our milk. Bobby has developed an intolerance. It's almond milk from Holland and Barrett for us from now on. I've ordered 144 cartons. Oh, Fred. It's all right. It has a shelf life of 23 years. Oh, Fred. What is it? You're not yourself. It's nothing. Everything is perfectly fine. I never want to see another milk derivative again. That's the spirit, old thing. Oh, Fred. And as you turned back to your crossword in your green-knitted waistcoat, scratching your nose with your pen and staring at seven across, I knew that Bobby's lactose allergy was a fateful warning to us both. I will never tell you what has taken place. I will never travel to Little Ringworld again and hawk my wares about. Fred, I'm going to take a nap. All right, darling. Oh, darling? Yes, Fred? Thank you for coming back. So that's my book review of Milkman by Anna Burns. Now here's Fred with his. Good evening. I wish to complain in the strongest terms possible about this book. 
When Celia asked me to review a tome entitled Milkman, I was fascinated. I'd long been interested in the dairy industry, and the profession of milkman has always struck me as a good and honest one. Indeed, I was at junior school with a boy named Arthur Crossley, who did indeed go on to become a milkman. So I was anticipating a gentle look at the life of a milky, and probably concentrating on the topics of standard-to-girl-top ratios, the battery maintenance of the milk float, and a few titbits concerning the tricks of the trade. I've always been intrigued to know, for example, how they get the cream to go to the top of the bottle, and with perhaps a few mildly titillating scenes involving housewives in dressing gowns showing a shapely knee. <clears throat> However, when I began reading, I found none of these things, and was instead presented with a lot of impenetrable nonsense involving some slip of a thing and a bunch of paddies in the IRA very little about milkmen, and absolutely nothing about the ins and outs of the dairy world. I don't mean to be a complainer, but I'm sorry, this sort of thing really gets my goat. And what is the point of calling the book Milkman if there's hardly anything about milkmen in it? I mean, Frederick Forsyth didn't call the day of the jackal the quantity surveyor, did he? I might remind all novelists listening who are in the process of choosing titles for forthcoming works that there is such a thing as the Trades Descriptions Act. Good day to you. Oh, Fred. Now, we regret to report that this week we won't be joined by our old friend, famous local actor Russell Nigels, as he's got a job. Well done, Russell. Finally getting the recognition he deserves. He's about to hit the big time. We all knew he would. He's in an advert for a new kind of laxative chewing gum and is away filming in Serbia and says he'll be back with us next week. So instead, Russell has recommended an old actor chum of his, Gerard Jeremy, who also lives locally, and we're an enormous fans of Gerard here at Milton Library. Russell and Gerard go way back, apparently. They met while playing twins in the Comedy of Errors in Chichester back in 1962. Well, they fell out in the 80s, when they were both up for the same part in Albion Market, but are now fast friends again, and most recently worked together playing Rastafarian Santas in a sketch for the 2002 Lower Upping Community Players Christmas production, Stocking Fillers! Exclamation mark. So next up, our very special guest, we're very excited, it's Gerard Jeremy. Good day! I was planning on reviewing some recent DVD releases, but unfortunately, my DVD player was repossessed by bailiffs last month, leaving me with only a broken VHS and two tapes, Confessions from a Holiday Camp, excellent, and 1995's Superb Hackers, starring Johnny Lee Miller and the marvellous Fisher Stevens. However, yesterday I was digging in my front garden when I noticed a man in a van draw up to my neighbour's house. By a remarkable stroke of luck, he turned out to be an ex-thesp I'd once appeared with in the Corn is Green at the Sidmouth Pavilion. He explained he'd come to connect my neighbour up with a fibre-optic cable, and for a tenner he agreed to sneakily connect me too. So now I have all the popular channels. I've got the Sky, the Netflix, Amazon Prime, uh, Amazon Subprime, Gimbo and Dishcloth. So far, this 2019, I've been watching a brand new show that all the most up-to-the-minute trendsetters are watching. It's called Orange is the New Black. I started watching it yesterday, but uh, ten minutes in, uh, one of my creditors knocked on the door and I had to hide behind the chaise long, so I got a little distracted. But it appears to be a, a comedy set in the chokey. 
it's almost exactly like porridge. Next up, the fashion at the moment seems to be for darker and grittier remakes of old shows like Sabrina the Teenage Witch and Lost in Space. And there's a new one coming out next month that I'm very much looking forward to. It's Last of the Summer Wine, directed by Robert Rodriguez. It's set in Depression-era New York, stars Harvey Keitel, Nick Nolte and Danny Trejo, with Sean Penn as Wally Batty. I'm very excited about that. And finally, there's an edgy new show called Black Mirror that recently released an interactive episode. By pressing a button on your remote, you are able to change the story as you watch. Well, I pressed a button and ended up watching an old episode of Ever Decreasing Circles, which is very nice. Thank you, Gerard. I'm sure we've all got access to a television these days, so that was wonderfully inclusive. You're listening to Wife on Earth with me, Celia Jessen. And now it's time to meet a male librarian, Darren Trembling. I caught up with him as he was kneeling in the philosophy section, filing some books, which had been overdue for 28 years. Hello, you must be Darren. How perfectly apt. Here you are, kneeling in philosophy in a classical thinker's pose. Who are you? Oh, gosh, how embarrassing. Um, I'm doing a podcast. My name's Celia. Um, The head librarian said it would be all right. Oh, she did, did she? Perhaps you have some interesting anecdotes about your many years working here. I'll tell you what cheeses me right off. People who fold the corners over. They should be flogged publicly in the town square by beef eaters. Buy a frigging bookmark, why don't you? Crikey. Actually, I have a leather one from Anne of Cleves' house I always use. Well, good for you, Mary Poppins. Oi, you! Feet off the table! Thank you, Darren. I think we're nearly out of time. And that section was brought to you by our sponsors, Mika's Garden Centre. If it's early afternoon on a Sunday and you've finally been gifted a break from the hurly-burly, then why not come to Meeker's Garden Centre, Milton North's premier purveyor of plants, vegetables, garden furniture and, of course, gnomes. Located just seven miles from Milton Town Centre, four miles from Lower Upping and easily accessible from the turning for the A299, Meeker's is the perfect place for you and your family to spend up to two and a quarter hours, depending on your parking arrangements. Inside our garden section, you'll find seeds, shoots, perennials and bedding plants, as well as tools. And don't forget to visit Manure World for all your dung needs. Unwind in the farm shop with artisan bread and sausages with fennel in them. Peruse our wide selection of sheds and shedettes. And finish off the day with a cuppa in Val's Cozy Corner Cafe, where the redoubtable Val will be dispensing shepherd's pie, cream scones and her own brand of old school farm charm. Meekers! Voted Kent's fifth best garden centre 2012. Mika's really does have a terrific range, and I'd say that even if we weren't getting paid. Aren't we? Oh, well, I've said it now. So it only remains for me to say thank you to all those who've taken part in today's episode and to you for listening. I'm off home now for a cup of tea with homemade oat milk. I don't know how long Fred will be able to keep that up. In our house, we tend to shy away from things that might be health-giving, as you probably know. Next time, Fred and I will be back here at Milton Library 
reading and discussing the official DVSA highway code by the Driver and Vehicle Standards Agency and the magic art of tidying up by Marie Kondo with Christine from the Cat Hospital. They have a tabby who needs an iron lung, apparently. Until then, goodbye. This Milkman episode of Wife on Earth was written by Joanna Neary and Joseph Nixon with music by Pat McLean and Head Love and performed by Adam Buxton, Alastair Kerr, Michael Legg, Joanna Neary and Chris Sloman. This podcast was produced by Wife on Earth and is part of the Cosmic Shambles Network.